we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? Yes, this is Mark Marin, the guy who's on the IFC show. Marin on Friday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern and Western. They seem to be airing it a lot. I'm very uh, happy with the feedback, but let's not talk about that. Let's talk about other things. Today on the show, uh, Noah Bombach. I hope I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. He'll correct me if I'm not. Uh, the director, whose films I like a lot. I got an opportunity to interview this guy, and I respect his work a lot. I mean, he's a real director. He's a real auteur. He does films that that he wants to do. I mean, he did The Squid and the Whale, which is one of the most touching, powerful films I, I've ever seen. I, I, I told him this, that I was trying to go back over his stuff, because seen, I've seen The Squid and the Whale. I've seen Margot the Wedding. I've seen Greenberg. I watched his new movie, which is going to be released, I think, shortly, maybe this week. Uh, called Francis Ha. And when I was just reading the synopsis of Squid and the Whale on Wikipedia, I choked up. I choked up at the end when, you know, he goes back and he looks at the Squid and the Whale at the Museum of Natural History, having had experience with that particular exhibit. I don't know if you've been to the Museum of Natural History in New York, but as a kid, you know, as amazing as it is, it is one of the most terrifying experiences you can have as a child, wandering through those dioramas with stuffed animals and stuffed people who aren't obviously stuffed people, giant blue whale, all the little, you know, the weird bugs and things in these dioramas. I mean, and the place is, is from the 18 or 1700s. I don't know when it, it, it is horrifying, but to use that particular exhibit as a, as a backdrop for some emotional catharsis in that movie to me was fucking genius. And Margot at the Wedding with Jack Black and, uh, you know, I... I, I and Nicole Kidman and uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. I mean, that movie to me was so raw and so, uh, you know, great. And Greenberg, holy shit, Greenberg with Ben Stiller. I mean, that fucking film, I actually identified with it more than I was comfortable with. Not only did I know guys like that guy, but I, I was that guy in, in some way. So in, in my when I got the opportunity to talk to Noah, I was like, you know, this is this is a kindred spirit here, but also he's a director with a vision. And film directors have a special place in my heart, just in that I don't get to talk to them that often. And it's a it's an it's a hell of a job that job to sort of manage a set, manage a vision, get what you want, uh, you know, execute your your creativity in that way. Takes huge fucking balls. You know, even if even if you're a woman, it takes amazingly large balls to direct a film, especially a film that you you dictate. And to do it well, to me, is an amazing skill. And this new film of his, Francis Ha, uh, which is which stars Greta Gerwig, who is also in Greenberg, who is also, I think, dating. No, I know uh, that Noah is with her, uh, is, is, is amazing. And we'll talk about that. He chose black and white. It's a very lyrical film. It kind of moved through the sort of struggle of... Uh, of, of adulthood in a way of what it, what defines an adult what defines passion what defines you, you know what your life is going to be and you know what are your your sort of your ideals you know versus practicality i mean it, it's just stuff that that really hits me 
And I, I watched it, and I watched it in a way that I don't always watch movies. You know, I get kind of heady. I'm a little, uh, I wouldn't say I'm a pseudo-intellectual, uh, but, you know, I, I took some film classes, <laughs> you know, and I studied film. And, you know, you sort of go back over these things. When somebody shoots in black and white and when somebody makes these choices, you got to go back to Truffaut, to Lubitsch. You got to go back to all those great directors who make that choice. And, you know, I want to talk to him about that. I was just flattered that he came. And he's also done some work with Wes Anderson, which you know, this is a world that I think, you know, in my mind, I would have liked to have been part of in a way. Uh, you know, I never had the the focus or the or the or the follow through or the confidence to try directing a film. Yeah, you know, I always pictured myself that. I think a lot of people do that. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna direct a movie. It's a, an amazing job. Well, look, we're gonna we'll talk to Noah in a second. I would like to share with you my experience of the Tonight Show because I know some of you are wondering, you know, why the fuck? Why'd you do the Tonight Show? You said you didn't like the Tonight Show. Look. The Tonight Show is the Tonight Show. Jay Leno is Jay Leno. A lot of shit went down in the in the media and in the culture around Jay Leno and the struggle for the Tonight Show. And I, quite frankly, I don't, I don't, I, I don't watch the Tonight Show, and and I never pursued the Tonight Show. But also, you know, conflicting that memory is that I remember seeing Jay Leno as a as a junior high school guy, or not even. I was probably in junior high watching him. And thinking he was one of the funniest fucking guys in the world. And then I remember seeing him when I was in college. I went to the improv. I was probably a sophomore in college. I was visiting my friend out here in LA and I went to the improv. I still remember the jokes he did. So that was the deal. You know, I have that Jay Leno in my mind. And I guess I've sort of detached from the Jay Leno that that exists now. And I detached from his show. And and when I I thought I should do the show, I wanted to do the Tonight Show. I wanted to do it when Conan hosted, frankly. But I wanted to do the Tonight Show. I got a book. I got a show. And it's the Tonight Show. And I know a lot of you don't watch it. And I know I've spoken about it. And I knew that was there. But when it came right down to it, when I got the opportunity to do the Tonight Show, there was some part of me that's like, I'm doing the Tonight Show. And I've never met Jay Leno. Ever. I've never met him. I've met a lot of people. As you know, I moved through this world. I moved through this business. And uh, I've met a lot of people. But I'd never met that guy. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, I'm going to meet Jay Leno. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to look at him right in the face. And I'm going to do a show to promote my thing. That's what's going to happen. And I want to be funny because I'm a comedian. So I go over there and uh, you know, I'm in the dressing room. I got Jessica with me. There's a publicist there. The segment producer comes in to go over some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about. And then Jay comes in wearing his Canadian tuxedo in his denim, much shorter than I thought he was. Uh, it's very odd when you see somebody from television that you've seen on television or in media your whole life, right in, in person, and you've never seen him before. They're always different. He's, he's definitely a shorter guy, a little stouter. And he sat, uh, he came into the room, into the dressing room, and we, and we talked for like a, you know, he, he was talking for like a half an hour. We had a conversation about comedy. And he, he just, you know, out and out said to me, you know, look, I, I, I didn't think you wanted to do the show. I didn't think you liked me. You know, a lot of people, they, they, they uh, you know, they, you know, they, you know, they got a bad, a bad opinion of me. And uh, yeah, I'm just a comedian. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know you wanted to do the show. And I didn't know what to, to, to say, because right there in that moment, I was standing with another comedian and not only another comedian, but a guy who was a, a great comedian. Certainly when he was just a comedian, he got more respect than just about anybody. And in his mind and in his heart, he's out there. He's just a comedian. A lot of shit went down. But the, the truth of the matter is I was about to go on The Tonight Show and I, I got the feeling that he was feeling me out. 
and wanted to connect. He read some of my book. He says, it's a great book. You know, it's, you know, it's a comedian's book and you're a comedian. I respect that. And, uh, you know, we, we're the same. We're, we're, you know, we're comedians. And, and, I, and I felt it. You know, I felt it in that moment. And, and you know, I think he was also tr- trying to feel out whether or not I was going to get out there and, and say, you know, what the fuck happened with the Conan thing? What, you know, what was that bullshit? Yeah, I, I think that there was part of him that was sort of feeling that out. But there was also part of him that wanted to explain himself to me. And that we, you know, we're comedians and that's what we do. It was a very interesting, you know, half hour. And I asked him if he wanted to be on this show. Uh, He said he would like to be on this show. He doesn't really want to talk about, you know, the situation. But I think that I should have him on the show and I want to have him on the show because he's been doing comedy. I mean, I was, he called me. This was the interesting thing too, is that, uh, you know, I'm doing the show I talked to the segment producer. This is the day before the show. And he said, Jay's probably going to call you. And I'm like, all right. And I'm over at Cafe de Leche. And, uh, you know, the phone rings. He's like, hey, Jay Leno. I'm like, what's going on, man? And, and he, you know, talked to me on the phone. And within five minutes, I found out, you know, that he had done his first, at, you know, set, you know, in the late 60s. In the late 60s. And that before there were comedy clubs, he used to open for jazz acts like Miles Davis. I mean, there's a whole world of history that comes with Jay Leno. And Jay Leno was one of the, you know, the biggest comics in the world. So, you know, I, I hope we can make it happen. You know, I was on his show. I'd like him to be on my show to see where that goes. And then quite frankly, uh, doing The Tonight Show was quite an experience. I never thought in my life that I would sit next to Shakira, ever. Never thought in my life that I'd be, uh, you, know, uh, you know, 10 feet away from Tom Jones singing. But this is just happens to me when I do shows. You know, like I'm like, I'm in show business. I never thought that yeah, I'd be looking right at Jay Leno's face and I'd tell him I'm looking right at your face. And I'd say that, you know, I saw pictures of you in comedy clubs and your head seems to have gotten larger. I didn't phrase it like that. I thought it was funny. And he let me talk and he, you know, he's a very gracious host and, and it, was, uh, it was a fine experience. And I was, uh, I was happy to do it and it was good to meet Jay Leno. And that's, that was my experience. And I, you know, there's no loyalty issues. I mean, there's a lot of people that get hung up on this. You know, people who are out there in the world who say things like, you know, like, well, Conan's your guy. Yeah, Conan is my guy. And I've been doing Conan for, you know, my entire life. I've never done Jay Leno. And yeah, it's not, it's an experience, you know, that I I, I have now. I mean, I've done The Tonight Show. Jay, Jay Carson was already gone by the time I was capable of doing it, of doing stand-up. You know, I thought you were a Letterman guy. I've done Letterman four times in my life, in my life. And I used to be, you know, so like that. I mean, I wouldn't do anything but Conan and Letterman back before any of this shit went down. Didn't want to do Leno, didn't want to do Ferguson because Conan and Letterman were my guys. And I, and I just had this moment where I'm like, you know, I do Conan a few times a year and I love him. He does, you know, he, you know, we have a great relationship, but it's like, you know, I should be out there doing whatever I can. I want to go out and represent me and, and do what I do and get some laughs and share my point of view. We're all just trying to do what we do. And I just want to get out there to more people, and I hope people are digging it. So that was my experience. Maybe I'm just getting old. Maybe I'm just trying to take advantage of the situation I'm in right now that might not happen again. I would like to get into a Noah Bombach movie. Bombach movie. I don't pronounce it both ways. I'd like to do some acting. Maybe I mean, we should take some acting classes. Maybe we should get good at it, get better at it. So let's talk to Noah Bombach. God, I hope I pronounce it right once, once, you know, about his new movie, Francis Ha, which uh, I believe opens this week and about other things. Uh, It's like I said, it's rare that I get directors in here and I'm in awe of what they do. 
So, Baumbach. 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 Or Baumbach. People say, I, always, I say Baumbach, but I always like when people say Baumbach. It sounds kind of better. <laughs> <laughs> I love when people, they're sort of like, uh, you know, you can do with my name what you want. You know what I mean? <laughs> Make it your own. Yeah, I yeah. feel that I, way a little bit. I recognize it. Uh, you know, I'll respond well, to that. Well, I'm, like, I'm not even sure I'm doing it right, so... Yeah, I mean, with the with those kind of Jewish names, you're always going to find somebody that's going to be like, no, the way it was pronounced yeah. in the village, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, 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 where our family comes from. Did you grow up with much of that? Grandparents um, that were... I had, well, my um, my grandfather actually changed it, I think, be- claiming yeah. that, that it was the original spelling. Oh, so she went back? She went... He was... He was, I think it was a CK. It was, it was like B O M B A C K. Yeah, yeah. And then he changed it to B A U M B A C H, claiming it was the original. Oh, but I'm not even sure. Yeah. He was kind of crazy, so yeah. I don't know if that's he's a great uh, crazy grandfather. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of. I watched a movie. I watched the newest movie last night. Uh, Francis High watched it. It was good. <laughs> no, I liked it. I, I would be, when I watch your movies, there's always this period of time where where I'm watching it, where everything seems so fucking familiar to me, and it starts to get heartbreaking, and I don't know where it's going to go because with Greenberg, yeah, that was too close and t- disturbing. I mean, I, it's a great experience. I I love the movies, but <laughs> but this one, the ending was uh, was really sweet. Yeah, was that? In- I, I mean, let you off the hook on this one. <laughs> <laughs> what? What, yeah, you were aware of that though. Well. I, I was aware of it ret- retrospectively. I, when I was making it, yeah. it was more the character. There's a difference between a 27-year-old girl who's joyful and right. beautiful, yeah. trying to figure it out, and a 40-something-year-old guy right. who can't swim or, right. you know, <laughs> or drive. Just, yeah. Well, there, there's that, that area between you know somebody kind of pursuing their dream to the point where it becomes delusional and they don't no longer know that they're, they've lost it because their narcissism sort of insulates them. Right. Yeah, and there's, I know a lot of guys like that. I think I might have been that guy you know, a few years ago. Right. So that changed for me so I can get a little distance from Greenberg. Right. But when watching this movie, you, you start to realize, well, she's at that first turn. You, you know, that it doesn't have to go bad for this person. Right. And I thought in some ways, so she she was kind of able to do the heroic thing. Right. Uh, and the heroic thing, of course, in this movie is take a desk job. But, right. And, <laughs> but, and then, you know, kind of put things into perspective. Exactly. And, and, and pursue the other thing. And the dancing, dancing always makes me cry. I don't know why. I know. You too? Yeah. It's, I, I see... I never see enough dance, and every time I go to dance, I always have that feeling. I love dance. Yeah, yeah, well, right. It's <laughs> and moving. It's so moving, and it's and I and then I leave always with like I'm going to subscribe. I'm going to you know, and <laughs> I'm going to be then, here every week. Yeah, and it's now been probably five years since <laughs> I was, since you went to a dance. But it's always uh, like uh, even that. How did you? Um, well, I mean, let's let's go back and get get up to speed because. I'm I'm sort of fascinated with people that grow up in New York. Like you're a real New York kid, mm-hmm. and your parents were part of that sort of what is I would say the mid '70s intelligentsia. I mean, you grew up in in the thick of it when Brooklyn was still you know just for those kind of writers and not for punks and kids. Right. What um when 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 you were just how how old are you now? Forty three. So your mother was a, a New York uh, vo- village voice writer who I remember reading. She was a voice. Uh, but she re- started writing for The Voice when I was more late high school, college. So I didn't grow up. Sometimes people say, oh, you grew up with a critic. But I right. didn't really feel like she kind of started doing it a little later. So it was more like, oh, cool. We get to see movies for free. Right. Uh, what was she doing before that? 
she was a teacher. She had written some short stories. She was figuring it out. Uh-huh. A, a mom. Yeah, figuring uh, it out. Right. Yeah. She had two kids, and she's like, where's my life? Yeah. And your old man was a, a writer. Yes. A, do you get along with him? Is he... I, I do get along with him very well. Um, yeah. Uh, and, but, yeah, he was a novelist and teacher. Right. Also big film he wrote sometimes about film but you yeah know, in, the, in the 70s there was that thing where you, there was almost no delineation between critic and writer you sure. were kind of doing it all sure yeah you is personality driven in a way yeah you, you want to be known for that you're that guy yeah. that can write on everything broad broad a general critic of yeah. sorts um but yeah because i made i made this movie the squid and the whale where which was kind of had some connection to my childhood at least in the very straightforward way so people sometimes assume i don't get along with my parents but i i i, I am close to my parents was there a reaction to the squid and the, i mean I, I had to refresh myself because i'd seen it you know probably twice when it came out and i <laughs> i went to the wikipedia page of the squid and the whale and just reading the plot sign yeah you know, the plot and line i i kind of choked up at the end <laughs> i don't know what the fuck's wrong with me this morning <laughs> this is not the the like i don't do interviews this early sometimes i think i'm still a little raw <laughs> That'd <laughs> be uh, well. The way they, I love the idea of like the Wikipedia page will make you cry. It uh, did, yeah, yeah. It because uh, at the end, because I'd forgotten how the the actual that exhibit at the Museum of Natural History how it was contextualized in the movie. Yeah. So ha being reminded by it and the way they sort of framed it, you know, that this was this moment that your mother comforted you in front of this horrible thing, which I remember seeing as a kid, and mm -hmm. it is horrible because it's kind of dark and you can only see the. And then you go back to it in the. I, I choked up. That's all. That's I'm, I'm, I'm. That's great. I'm, <laughs> I'm thrilled to. We don't even. We don't even need the DVD anymore. You can just read just, the. Page. Just read the plot line. <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're a sensitive person, you're going to cry. So when you did that, though, was there a discussion in the family? I mean, your parents were obviously divorced, but was there any sort of? Were they flattered, or were they like it didn't go that way? Or I mean, was there? A... Both. I, they. Everyone was very cool about it, yeah. and, and I'm kind of. In some ways, it was no win for them because I, f I feel like, and I have a brother too, I, who younger brother, yeah, because they had to kind of present themselves as cool with it, right? Or else I would have been like, "Come on, right. mom," you know, right, yeah. right, yeah, or, or worse but, yet, you know, well, fuck you, yeah, yeah, or it would have been like we would have been having some fight in the forever, you know, yeah, in the. <laughs> You know, free, in the press? free press media, <laughs> yeah. the free uh, press in New York, yeah. covering the, uh, yeah. the, the, the 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 Baumbach feud, the, ba the Baumbach feud. That, that it's like a triangle. <laughs> yeah, uh, but so I I am aware that they're they're they they had to be good sports about it because. Um, but at the same time, it must be difficult to to, to feel like, well, why do you get to present? The the, right. the way you're presenting now the the way it was right. whether it was fiction or not you get to have the word on it and we don't and I I understand that's that's a tricky place to be but but then you could but you're at least in the position to go you guys are writers knock yourself yeah, yeah. out yeah, yeah. And, and my dad had actually even written a book about you know not about the divorce but right. sort of about a divorce sort right. of somewhat but yes that's true and. <laughs> My uh, father, I just wrote a book, and he's he's lost in just anger and hostility. He's, he's got no way to express himself. <laughs> well, in some ways, it's probably more cathartic for him. Than, than... <laughs> Certainly cathartic for me. <laughs> I think I won this round. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's clear. <laughs> yeah. It's clear. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. still caught in this sort of morass of like, have I surpassed them? I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you must feel that you have on some level, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's an empty victory. Well, it's, yeah. It's, I, 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 um, 
I, I mean, even when I was writing that movie, yeah. I was sort of thinking about, well, what are other movies about father son and it was like the great like the, and it's like the great santini and you're like well that's clear <laughs> <laughs> or what was that one with tom hanks and, and jackie gleason oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that was pretty sad yeah, yeah that one yeah that was also clear in yeah, my memory yeah of yeah it. he was an asshole then he got cancer yeah and, they're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then and then the kid had to like him yeah they yeah. had to bring it together at the end yeah well i mean how do you feel that uh nothing in common or something I think like that, that something like that but do you feel like in, in working through that stuff and in what did the, the emotions of that movie and we, we won't hang in that movie too much but we might as well mm-hmm. the emotions in that movie were genuine i mean that, that sort of becomes what it is you can fictionalize only so much but the emotions of of divorce and how it affected you were genuine right yeah and that was a huge thing for me at that time because i you know i was potentially in my way to becoming a greenberg and i i was because i'd made i'd made two movies in my 20s that and but i wasn't kind of where i wanted to be in terms of well how did you come into making movies where'd you where'd you start i well i started like awfully young i i made a movie called kicking and screaming when i was like 24 and were you in film school or out of film school no I, i went to vassar and then i didn't get into film school and then i wrote that but i'd wanted to make movies i'd grown up with movies watching movies you know back to those those same parents and did they have and, friends who were in movies did you like because they were in that new york intelligentsia scene did you did, were you privy to conversations with movie makers no or? i mean we the the i mean now it, we can say they were part of that scene we were living in brooklyn and felt they felt totally outside that scene <laughs> so they were actually living there because they couldn't afford to live in the city exactly right okay i find i have more in common with people Who've moved to Manhattan from Texas right. than I do uh, people who grew up in Manhattan. Because right. even being in Brooklyn, it felt like if I could go there one day, it's just, yeah. I can see it. I, yeah, it was worse in a way. Texas, <laughs> right. at least, you just you know you so, see pictures. So Brooklyn was just a practical solution for people who wanted as close proximity as possible. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like a choice. Know, a tr- yeah, we weren't. You know, pr- now I can look at it and think like I say it with pride. Oh, I grew up in Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And people are like, in a brownstone? Did you yeah, grow it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was, Park Slope is a whole different place back then. Yeah. <laughs> but so, okay, so they felt a little on the outside of it. But so there wasn't a constant dialogue. I mean, I don't know what it's like to grow up with intellectuals. I mean, and they must have been that or at least saw yes, themselves as they that. were. But it still, there was that, I don't know. There was a feeling, um, I mean, and they had lots of, I, I I love being around them and their friends. They had lots of writer friends and things, but it wasn't like there was still like this idea of like that there were people like Norman Mailer right. or Philip Roth who were like really living. So they were they the, felt like they were second tier intellectuals. Yes. So like there was there were the stars, the, yes. the the brain stars, and then there were the the other ones and that it, were aspiring or and, almost. And for intellectuals who feel like they're second tier, what you do is you create this idea that second tier is actually the first tier of course and that success is the s- sellout and those are the sure. less intellectual intellectuals and the real ones yeah. don't actually actually get the success <laughs> that's right exactly <laughs> the the ones that are they have integrity yes they're not gonna whore themselves out on the dick cavett show with george plimpton and norman mailer no <laughs> no i mean <laughs> sellouts yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're doing the big brain work here <laughs> yeah i mean this yeah so um so those lightweights were <laughs> <laughs> hanging out at Elaine's and you know we were you know getting uh, you right. know waiting for the egg cream right. egg cream truck to come around <laughs> yeah. they had an egg cream truck they did yeah. well, oh my god 
So, okay, but th- how did that influence like a, a young you? Because it's a, it's a gift to be able to even have that proximity to the to the city, especially if you're a creative kid. But it's also a gift to have parents that have a, a dialogue around that stuff and must be somewhat supportive of it. What were their expectations? It, it was, I mean, it was ultimately great, but uh, it was it was difficult because I think I had I had those conflicting ideas going on at all times, yeah. which was I was encouraged to be an you know, to go into the arts in some way. Right. And I was um, around all that stuff and they would take me to movies. I mean, I was taken to movies like really cool movies when I was really young. And, in the city. Yeah, which was, yes, sometimes in the city. Well, we, because we had no theater. The, the local theater um, in Park Slope, like it had been a porn theater and then it was <laughs> defunct and then it came back. Yeah. And I wasn't allowed to see our movies um at, the, at that age but because they became local suddenly I yeah. was like I could see whatever my father would just take me to you know uh, I, <laughs> you didn't have to get on a train yeah I was like <laughs> now it's fine he can see the jerk and uh, uh, and I could see the jerk yeah. and, and uh, but then like I, it was like I remember I saw the jerk one week Animal House the next week and then Apocalypse Now <laughs> so you were what 14 or 13 I was younger. 10 or something 10. I was just like this is <laughs> the horror yeah <laughs> shocking (laughs) (laughs) so he would walk you to the movies do you remember the first movie that might have had an effect on you because you have a very specific world that you seem to shoot in and Mm -hmm. it's not you know i i know that uh that greta came out of out of the some is identify with mumblecore but it doesn't seem like that's really where you're coming from It, it just uh there's something organic about the way that you shoot and the way the dialogue works it's it's almost it's uh I mean, it's sort of, uh, to me, because I'm an old guy now, it's sort of Altman-y in, in the mm-hmm. way that you just you kind of let people talk and, and the, 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 the drive of the film is not necessarily plot points as much as it is emotional and conversational. Right, and yeah, and how the story comes from character more right. often than, than I have a story and then I'm trying to get a character from A to B. Right. Um, yeah, well, I mean, those, you know, that We're, 70s group, I... You know, I grew up, well, I actually grew up uh, because of my parents. I, I actually grew up thinking the 70s American were, filmmakers were all kind of pale imitations of the European 60s filmmakers. At 11, um, you thought yeah, that. Yeah, I, I was just like, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but I actually uh, came around to thinking they're pretty great. So, and But that was the kind of career I want. I, I set out to have and wanted to have an auteur yeah to do the stuff that was interesting to me did, did you find did, did you do you remember when something like that like resonated with you because I know that in the 70s because we were kids that I was not going to be able to appreciate McCabe and Mrs. Miller no I was, it was just no, I couldn't even wrap my brain around it you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like how is this a good movie yeah what? no, no it, was, <laughs> it happens later right yeah it's a, that's a it's a terrible movie when you're young yeah um uh, <laughs> um yeah, it happened later. I, I, I mean, I, I had a, f- f- you know, I was sort of really into my like f- when I was sort of I guess getting to be you know preteen. Mm-hmm. I was really into Saturday Night Live and right. really into those guys who went on to make movies. So I was, I was the jerk and right. stripes. I yeah, was, yeah. Th- those were all. But because I grew up the way I did, I tried to figure out an auteur idea behind those movies so i got then it was like well who directed and then i was really so so ivan reitman harold ramus these must be the guys these are the guys <laughs> and i would follow them and and in addition to the actors and then it was probably late high school college when yeah. i started to like really go back and 
and realize McCabe and Mrs. Miller's great. Fill your head up. <laughs> yeah. 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 To, and figure out why it's great and, and to have the, well, it's interesting because there's a, there's a courage to that in, in the sense that if you were kind of gravitating towards pretty mainstream, large comedies, did you ever write uh, comedies like that? Did you ever try to, to sort of do joke movies and, and no, but I see the influence in my movies. I don't know if anybody else does. Like what, what's a good example? Like there's something about this new film that, like because there are moments where there is a tone. Well, it's also reminiscent of, of Manhattan and, and oddly, uh, Raging Bull and the way you use those. Um, what do you call them? This when the place set it, mm-hmm. where you. The t- what do you call those? Those title cards. The, the title yeah, cards. Yeah. They're, they're like right out of there. I thought they were Woody Allen, but then I'm like, no, this is Raging Bull. This is a. Uh, <laughs> 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 are we aware of that? I I well I was. I was sort of aware of like every black and white movie I loved because <laughs> right, I was right, like, right. this is I'm making a black and white movie, so I'm gonna kind of. I'm thinking of all of them. I mean, ultimately, we kind of had to like, I had to focus on what this one is. But I, I was, I, I definitely looked at Raging Bull again, and and did you and Manhattan and yeah, um, and that's it. Are there any other modern black and white movies? Yeah, yeah. Well, contemporary movies in black and white—that is a very that's like a specific black and white genre, right? But there was also but the Truffaut stuff too, definitely. Yeah, I I used the music from a lot of those movies. Yeah, I I felt that, and but there was also that feeling in terms of 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 talking about comedy that you know at the beginning you're like in in the way they're engaging, you know, you were like, is this going to be some sort of you know lighthearted, almost uh, cute romp through what might be a real relationship? Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't sure. And it seemed like I was sort of like at the beginning, I was like, oh, this is cute. What are these girls going to do? Where is this going to go? And then once the emotion, uh, you know, kind of locked in, it became a little like, oh, my God. You know, you didn't know. Like, she's an an amazing actress. And and it's it's a character that I think when you're our age or around here that you you know that girl yeah and they're always sort of fascinating and you you always wonder what happens to that girl everyone knows one of them yeah and the relationship also of the two women one deciding to just you know maybe go against her heart for security or or for a life right that tension is something we've all seen too so it's very it's kind of modern in that way but yeah. I don't think it's timeless. I think this. I don't know that this movie could have happened at any time, because there wasn't a freedom to be that Greta character at another point in time. Really, that's probably true. I, I, um, yeah, and I think the black and white kind of makes it it nostalgic, even though it's very contemporary. You know, the the, the subject matter is very contemporary, but it's definitely modern black and white. I mean, what? So, getting back to the comedy question, you know, what what do you see as the 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 sort of uh, shout outs to you know to stripes <laughs> <laughs> when she has to join the army for uh, <laughs> preposterous reasons? Uh, um, the, this, yeah, the rally speech she gives you, yeah. I um. <laughs> Uh, or and, just that type of comedy, and the presence of war notes, sure, war notes, <laughs> um, and a picture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he was great. Don't you wish he, he was so good? Yeah. <laughs> it's too bad. Like you watch those second fall movies, you're like, oh, oh my god, bring me the head of Alfredo that Garcia. That is crazy. Yeah. He's just talking to a head <laughs> for like half the movie. He's having this weird, bitter conversation with a wrapped up head that's got flies on it. <laughs> it's amazing. I love him in uh, Tulane Blacktop. Also, great. just keep showing up. He's hilarious. Um, uh, I, I I well I don't know specifically but I I think I mean I set out with all these movies thinking they're comedies and and sometimes but I kind of I guess leave myself open to the movie being what the movie's going to be I mean even you know thinking of Ben and Greenberg I was I wanted somebody funny at the heart of it because I felt like even though obviously the movie is kind of both 
I um and Ben can do both brilliantly. I felt like whoever he he he, it had to have a kind of comic drive in a way, sort of underneath it all. Right, because that well, I think that's it's it's an interesting question about our generation is that you know narcissism in and of itself, your entitlement can get very taxing very quickly mm-hmm. and and you know uh, i think the world we live in there's there's a certain comfort level with you know being able to pursue your dream that i think a lot of people are like you know well, those fucking people don't know how to work so the sort of brokenheartedness of something falling apart like in greenberg and having it not being realized by that character that's a comedic character if it's handled right so you had to deal with somebody who could do that neurotic thing as well as he did definitely and 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 it was true of jeff daniels and squid and the whale as the dad i mean i i um, uh, and even Nicole in the movie I made, Margot at the Wedding. That's a great yeah, movie too. Yeah, I mean, which is maybe, at least it was, res- people seem to find it tougher than the others, but I, I was not even that aware that it was until it was over. But I mean, what, Margot at the Wedding? Yeah. but what, even, what, were their, what were their feelings about it? Well, I think people were, it, it, I guess of my movies, it's seen, if I try to claim that one's a comedy, I mean, yeah. I, somehow can't get away with it um, even with jack uh, black yeah you got jack, jack black he's I know. right there and jack's hilarious the um but but yeah i mean i even nicole has a comic drive and right. I mean, she knew it was f- funny too and i i feel like um i remember when i worked with jeff daniels he yeah. would we'd sort of after a, a take or something i'd say how do you feel about that and he'd say it felt funny even though he wasn't playing it funny at right. all and I, I i've always thought that in a lot of these movies if that there's something that feels funny to me anyway, even if it's a dramatic scene. Well, I think that comedy can come, and I'm just finding this in, in my own work, is that I think comedy can come from just, you know, that moment of release of emotional tension. You know, it doesn't need to be sort of phrased as a, you know, a turn of phrase or a joke necessarily, but if you create enough kind of like emotional, like not dangerous tension, but just sort of discomfort, and you have a moment where it's released, I mean, that's, sort of a joyful feeling I yeah mean, that, that's comedic in a way right it's true and it's it's like why people laugh in horror movies sometimes when something right. horrible happens right they're they're like re- so relieved it's over you know even though it's terrible <laughs> I, th- I think that's a lot of what life is yeah like, it's just sort of going oh fuck i'm glad that's done <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so when you made the first movies i mean how how because i have a lot of people who listen who I think aspire to having the freedom that you've created for yourself. Um, what was the, how, how did you build that up? You know, was it, it's, you know, you made your first movies and then people responded to it and all of a sudden you had a new set of friends who could like, well, I, I, I sort of have had, in some ways I have, I had two careers because I, um, I, I made this movie kicking and screaming, which was well received. I remember but, that, but I didn't see it and I apologize. Um, uh, well, Reality Bites stole it's not. <laughs> oh, really? No, I'm just. So, was, was uh, that, so Greenberg was well, a payback. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to make you do this, Ben. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm <laughs> uh, uh, going to make you have to do more Night at the Museum. Yeah. <laughs> get your fan base back. Um, uh, the no, I mean, I, it was it was well received. It was a it was a good experience, but I, and then I made another movie after it called Mr. Jealousy. And I, after that I was having, I think I kind of had a subsequently, and now I can look at it a little clearer. I had, I wasn't then able to make a movie right away. I was having trouble getting stuff made. And the second movie wasn't, didn't do as well. And 
And what was that film about? It was about, it kind of had a good, like, almost like, like a screwball comedy plot. It was like uh-huh. a guy, a guy who gets sort of obsessively jealous about his girlfriend's ex-boyfriends right. joins and one of her ex-boyfriends is very successful. He ends up joining the group therapy of the ex-boyfriend so he can hear him talk about her. But then the guy doesn't talk about her. So then he, of course, tries to get her. It's the kind of thing I, you know, I was only... I, I, I would never make that movie now. But I, it, was, it was a fun idea. What drove you to that, though? Because this is another sort of struggle of the creative person who is fundamentally insecure yes. and competing uh, against... Uh, and this sort of narcissistic idea of that you know, everyone else's success is, right. is directly done at me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but does that happen in your heart? Or did it? I think it it did. Or I def... You know, I... It's probably how i was feeling at that time but i just in some way um but i also i think i grew up around a lot of it so i was it was a kind of it was also something i saw with your dad modeled for me uh yeah i mean i and in their friends that whole i think what was interesting about that whole kind of group milieu those was that because they couldn't just say I wish I had that success. It was there was so much rationalization around it that <laughs> I was. I, I, it was a confusing. You, I, I had to kind of figure that out. That that was the same thing as saying I'm jealous of it. <laughs> that the, their intellectual rationalization that enabled them to sort of persist or insist that they were doing something relevant. Right. Was that at its heart just bitterness? Yes. And that, <laughs> and that every artist. That it couldn't be that every less successful artist was actually better than the successful artist. <laughs> that some of the su- successful artists actually had to be better than the... I, I somehow realized that later, too. Like, you know. <laughs> but it's like... And also that time where we start to realize, I imagine growing up with it and, and, and now being your own guy, is that you know that world of, of, of intellectual activity... And certainly that New York world that kind of arced out in the 70s and as, and as he entered the 80s, it, it lost its definition. That mm-hmm. because the whole relevance of that world is, is it's, it's, it's almost gone. Yeah. And, and I don't know if they would have felt that then or, or that, you know, the idea that you're going to, you know, write a book uh, about, you know, Jackson Pollock's early paintings. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I mean, it's still important to some people, but it, it, there was a time in the 70s where they were rock stars. I mean, the, yeah. you know, there was that New York intellectual thing that was actually on television and, and meant something. And it all just went away for those folks. Yeah. Did you feel that happen to them? That's interesting because... You know, I think part of me probably even still thinks, as you're saying this, I'm even thinking like, did it? I guess you're right. It did. I, I, I'm still fighting it. I'm still, that's still the anxiety of influence well, for well, me. Well, even that, that reference went away. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> but you, I mean, I'm the same way though. You romanticize it. I mean, there, yeah. I mean, because, well, because the media landscape and even the, 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 the landscape of films and anything of writing is, it, it's, it's all very, it's hard to fight the disposability of, of almost anything because mm-hmm. there's a hunger for content that completely obscures any intellectual context. Right. So the best you're hoping for is you can find those people that, that, that still romanticize or believe what you believe and, and see in, in relevance in it. Right. But it's not, it's not across the board, you know, and I guess no. it never was, but I don't even know how sexy it is necessarily anymore. No. Um, no, it's, it's, that's, it's, that's very true. I don't, I don't think I um, had 
any sense of it in any kind of bigger way that that it was go that it was right, right. coming apart. But I definitely felt it on a kind of emotional level, just in my you know in my house and in my you know right. around me that there was that that somehow this couldn't be. This kind of way couldn't be so superior to every other way. <laughs> there was. It makes it hard to go out in the world and you right. know, and and if you think everything was is better at home, right? Well, yeah. yeah. It's like it's like as if the world were just a a kind of high end college where yes. you know these discussions happened in, in real life and 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 everybody understood them. Yeah. But you were brought up like you, you. I'm sure you were kind of swept to the museums, and you went to. Sure. You had to go see the thing, you know, the Cezanne exhibit at the Whitney and whatever. You, you were taken to that stuff, right? I was taken to that stuff, but I, um, I mean, I had a fairly healthy resistance to to Cezanne growing up. I uh, the fruit, uh, you yeah. know, enough fruit. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, they sort of let me rebel, even right. in that, even that. Phrasing right. is, isn't problem. They right. let me rebel. <laughs> I know, uh, yeah. I know <laughs> yeah. uh, we understand you're going to have to try drugs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, you don't like the museum now. You will like it later. You know, <laughs> what was your rebellion? How did that play out? I took till I was 35, and I made the squid and the whale. That was my rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that uh, was your closure. Yeah, I was just like, I'm I'm coming out right. big now. You should have let me do this when I was 17 because now you're really getting it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you held it in all that time? No, I mean I did it. You know, Steve Martin was right. my rebellion, okay. but then my father even went along with that. He was yeah. like, he's a wonderful comic. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, what yeah. do I got to do? Yeah. <laughs> You gotta be. You just get, maybe you should just act it stupid. Yeah, I, yeah, but I yeah. But you didn't do could, punk rock, no drugs, no. You know, I'm out of here. I mean, I Fuck did. You guys. I didn't do. I'm out of here. But I did. I mean, I listened to yeah to uh, you know the appropriate music for that age. Right, I wasn't, right. You know, I, I wasn't like some you know my room with you know classical or right. you know smoking a pipe or anything like that could have happened <laughs> could have happened if you if you would have liked your dad more <laughs> growing up that might have been it yeah yeah but uh all right so this idea uh, so you make mr you make mr jealousy and you made the first two so films, yeah then. so then i had this sort of time uh, where i i wasn't getting anything made yeah. and and i also had a kind of i think kind of just a crisis myself in terms of i'd made two movies but i i kind of realized i'd I'd made them so quickly. I wasn't even, you know, I, I I wasn't even sure who I was as a filmmaker. I kind of was almost like the fact that it it had happened, and it was sort of what I wanted to happen, and right. it did happen. And but I wasn't. I don't know. I didn't really feel like I knew who I was yet. I think, and and that's normal as uh, a as a creative person. I mean, in in that moment, I'm you must have thought like oh, I'm a fraud. What the fuck? What am I gonna? Well, I, 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 yeah, I felt I'm a fraud, but I also felt like I hope I get another chance, you know? And, and who, who were you, like, competing against at that time? I mean, what was, I don't re- remember what year it was or what was happening. I mean, in the 90s, there was, who was it? I mean, it's when, like, Ke- Kevin Smith and Ed Burns and, right. Oh, right. like, yeah, those sure. movies were coming out. Yeah. There was a kind of 90s indie movement. How, there, there was sort of generation, not, I don't know if it was a full generation, but people before me, at least movies who, who had movies when I was in college that, I was aware of like Whit Stillman and Hal Hartley and well, those guys um, were yeah that that uh, was those were like those were thinky movies yeah and and there was there was interesting stuff being Barcelona done yeah and Trust and those movies yeah the, the Adrian Shelley movies yeah 
And the, the the Whit Stillman movies, he had that one guy that who was that weird edgy dude that he had. Chris Eigerman actually, who's in my first movie too, uh, Kicking and Screaming. He's a very funny guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was great. Yeah. I remember that. I remember being in New York for that. And then something else happened with those other guys, like Burns did the Brothers McMullen. Which, yeah, you know. And then you know, it just seemed like wow, anyone can do this. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> there was yeah, there was sort of this sort of I guess also was that like people, my life's in turnaround. What was that guy? Yes. Name? Yeah. He was a big New York guy. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember, but there was that crew too. Yeah, and there were like personal movies right. that were, you know, I guess not not necessarily, you know, in the, in the, they would sort of like be called in the Woody Allen mold, right. but they were more personal to those filmmakers. Right, right, right. And so I kind of tapped out then, and then it took me a bunch of years. Uh, it was like- seven years or something till squid and the whale got made but during that period i had to like kind of come apart and then that's sort of what drove me to write it and and i i kind of that is sort of my second career even though i mean that 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 movie so you did these first two movies and you you got some momentum but you know so when when you say how many years were you what what was that struggle like i mean I, i i may be hard to characterize it but but were you sort of like you know coming unhinged and sort of like what the fuck can yeah. i do like you know what in just like you know making girlfriends unhappy yes 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 you've got it lots of unhappy yeah, they're crying a wake of unhappy yeah, yeah, girlfriends yeah, 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 yeah. like you're um, a genius don't say that yes <laughs> um well it was a combination of i had overachieved and I felt like I'd overachieved and underachieved at the same time. I I was, um, I had made two movies, but I wasn't Woody Allen. And, and I, so I was, and, and I was having trouble not only getting another movie made, but I was having trouble really figuring out what that was. Right. And, and so ultimately it was great. It happened because it, it helped me, it, it helped me sort of figure, figure it out. So the squid and the whale, you had to go right into your heart to get that shit. So like you kind of mined and you 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 sat there and you toiled with this story that was incredibly personal, heartbreaking, life defining. Mm-hmm. Um, did you find that uh, w- when you were writing it was uh, it was it difficult to sort of you know balance? The, were you able to tap into that sort of divorced kid's anger in, yeah. in, in a way that did you find yourself at moments like you know fuck my parents? <laughs> yes, I, I remember <clears throat> writing. I at least in my memory of it, <clears throat> writing that script was like r- like showing writing in movies, like right. in a Nancy Myers movie. Like right. writing never looks interesting, but right. the, you know they'll figure out ways to have them like thrust their arms in the air, yeah, like yeah. yes, you know, like while they're writing, like I've got it. And I, <laughs> I I actually think writing that was like that for me. I was if you watched me, it would have been kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah were yeah. you just like in it? In yeah, minute, in like, it. I, Mother, yeah, like yeah. writing angry, hitting the keys hard, uh, and great. Uh, yeah, it was. It 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 felt that way, and and, th- and then it took like six years to make after that. That's it. But that is the amazing thing about filmmaking. I don't I don't know how you guys do it. Like I don't know how you commit to something for that long and persevere it. It took six years to make that from writing. Well, maybe not quite that much, like four. But and what was that? You had to attach actors. What is the process of getting your own movie made in that way? <clears throat> um, it well. I think because I was sort of, it had been a while since I'd had a movie that, and and I, it's like some people had seen them, some hadn't. I was almost starting from, 
scratch and it was almost a little worse than starting from scratch because I wasn't like a totally fresh voice it, I was I had had some m- movies that hadn't done great so right, it was you didn't like, make anybody money yet yeah. so it's not like you were you know a made guy you were still sort of like nah well, you know you did these other things yeah. yeah and you know and also it's a genre I think you know I of course I didn't think of it as a genre but there was that thing well family drama comedies don't really nobody really cares and and uh but I felt like with that, I mean, I really felt with that when I had written it that it was, it was a little bit all or nothing. I was just, I, I, and, and even when I made it, I ended up getting very little money. I had like a million dollars to make it and we had 23 days and it was, I just like, I, I put everything I had into it. I, I, I was very conscious in a way of, of that. I'm just, this is like a kamikaze mission. I'm going to do everything, you know, as a filmmaker, I, I was just. I, 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 it's. I mean, it's sort of I, hard to. Well, it was. Say. It was like life or death. Yes, it was. Yeah, and and, and, and that's in your brain was completely consumed with it, and, and and it felt that way, and 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 I cast it well. I mean, it took a long time to get a cast because apparently nobody over you know forty five wanted to play a narcissistic <laughs> uh, <laughs> intellectual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's a great casting. I it, th- yeah, and who, and Jeff, I wouldn't have thought Jeff was the right person for it and he he pushed for it and um and uh he was brilliant yeah it was it's a it's a it's a little masterpiece that movie and you were able to i mean not only were you you writing and and directing it but the idea it was a period piece and it was it's a tricky period i mean to to really capture that that weird kind of you know with the clothing and, and with the feeling of 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 Brooklyn and and then having those things being important to those people, it yeah. was it was incredibly personal, but it but it had such a the emotional drive of it was so relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, and I, after that, it was great, right? After that, it's just been cotton candy. Yeah, I, I uh, no, I mean after that, I've been lucky that for the most part, I've you know been able to write things and make them. Yeah. Know? And do you feel like in that movie, like, because it seems like the directing style of this film, and I keep uh, forgetting her name, Francis Greta. Well, yeah, yeah. but the, oh, the Francis, yeah, yeah Francis Ha. The, uh, the the style, it's it's different. You, you're you're taking different chances now. It, it seemed because, like, with Margot and also with Greenberg, you know, it, it was all you know, very you know, meticulous directed, but but there seemed to be. Um, you were kind of finding or have found your own way of shooting, and this you you kind of went somewhere else completely. Yeah, and you chose to do that to challenge yourself, or well, it felt right for the material. I yeah. think. I mean, Greenberg was already kind of going in this direction. I think. Um, really, uh, a little bit. I mean, it, it's uh, Squid and Margot were handheld, and sort of there's a you know I think there, there's a. a kind of edginess to the filmmaking that right. that I think goes with the material you're kind of in the rooms you right. know if you if we wanted to get closer to someone we just sort of walk over to them I mean I I, I tried to do a very specific handheld like where you held the camera steadily that was my, my right. idea but Greenberg was was more composed and it was widescreen because it was I felt right for LA and right. Um, so these are choices and, you make with the hand holding. You it wasn't a budgetary thing. It's like we can't no. afford a dolly. We're <laughs> yeah. we're not going to get something that rolls. You you said like for the for the emotions of this of this movie, we needed to be this intimate. Yeah. yeah, and there's even to the cutting style of those movies. There's like I would 
cut people off mid-sentence sometimes. I was sort of really pushing the... There's almost I feel like scenes kind of crash into one another in right. those movies. And Greenberg was a little more laid back. We were kind of watching Greenberg sort of it was important to see him sort of small in this right. long environment that's around him and, and my feelings about Los Angeles. Well and, that was like Silver Lake, wasn't it? Or someplace? Where'd you where was that, that house? The house was actually in West Hollywood, but okay. it but it but it was an old sort of style. Well, yeah, house. and you have this like neurotic ball of of, of delusion, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the middle of oh, that's a it's a very true feeling about uh, I think about Hollywood is that you know you have these people that are, are fighting their own war against a, biz- a business that has somehow done an, a, an injustice to them, mm-hmm. but you know the landscape and the business just you know they 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 don't even indulge it. No, you know, no. it's like you just watch those people spin out. And either they're gonna like you know shut up and you know march or go just go away. Yeah. And do you have friends like that? Uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, I have friends who have elements of that. I mean, I I don't know that including I including yourself, including myself. Yeah. yeah. And um, and you know, I I you know, I mean, it's funny before because I I made the movie before I had a kid, and um, the movie has a scene where he goes to like a an old friend's house and it's a kid's birthday party right right you know and being at a kid's birthday party when you don't have a kid and don't care i i was i was much more connected to that idea then and now i you know i totally understand being the one having the party but i also still feel like greenberg at the party that's also my kid's party i mean it's now i feel like i'm on both sides of it well, um, a, it, but that's an interesting thing about your about the characters, and also I think in in Margot at the wedding that you know the the thing that really defines our generation, you know, emotionally, is this weird sort of entitlement, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you've been indulged, in, you know, by parents who you know believe in creativity, believe in, in expressing yourself. Is that if you're not sort of instilled with some idea uh, that making money is important, you're just going to wander the world looking for parents. You know, wh- <laughs> who, who gives me money now? You know. Right. So, like the the sort of conflict between a character like Greenberg and a child is is genuine. It's like this is about me. I don't know why you need this attention. Right. And- exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This this should be about me yeah. showing up here after you haven't seen me for a while, and you know, and and how is this about? the fact that your kid's turning seven right yeah. it's, uh, it's a dis- it's a disturbing reality that like you know i when i watched that movie i was sort of like well thank god someone was honest about this mm-hmm. like i don't know it's like people are even afraid to admit that like that's the big secret of our of our cool like you're a little younger than me but there's there's so there's such a premium put on just you know acting like you have your shit together right without showing that horrible entitled drive shaft of who you are publicly right that when it's finally out there publicly and and you get, literally get that feeling that you know that guy Greenberg is the guy that you know when he leaves people are going to be like oh my god what are we <laughs> going to do about that yeah so well I, I'm 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 certainly glad you put that out there so now you say that that was part of the yeah, when you directed that you we were very conscious of of this guy, you know, at 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 odds with with show business, with with Hollywood, with the the feeling of L.A. Do you have that feeling about here? Do you like it out here? I like it in in doses. I mean, I like I at the time I was spending too much time out here, and I think I I kind of had to make the movie to to get it out. You fe- did you uh, feel lost? It's easy to feel a little lost and insulated with certain people here, and and there's a disposition that's completely unnerving. Yeah, and I would. I would not, 
I, I wouldn't engage. I would sort of disappear into my office and write, and and I, I wasn't. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, for me, the, the thing in New York is even if you just walk out to get a cup of coffee and come back and that's the only thing you did all day, you still feel like you were in the world a little bit. And, Definitely. And, yeah, a lot of the world. Yeah. yeah. Even just the exchange with the guy who gives you your paper. Yeah. You're like, oh, there's real people out here. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, you know, out here, this is a real world. Like, I realized that when I was just in New York now that the number of people that service the city, thank God they're still there. They don't live there anymore, which is sad. But there's just a lot of people who, you know, are fixing things, who are driving things, who are, you know, you know, charging you a dollar for something. Yeah. And they all have a very New York tone. You know, I don't know where they live now, but, you know, there's that sort of like, hey, what's up? That kind of thing. Yeah. And it's organic and it's great. You don't get that out here. No. And I see it with my son who's who's out here and, and also then comes to New York and um, uh he when we'd walk down the street everything is interesting to him right. I mean, every person every and i realize he doesn't have that here he doesn't have you know yeah. from walking from one you know every little like nozzle on a building i mean it's all like it's you great. know like he's like blowing his mind and of course when you're that age you're you're into like anyone who works in yeah a, yeah in a, in a obvious way yeah yeah but it, now okay so you you got divorced yes <laughs> and uh it was ugly um no, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. And she, she, I mean, it's ugly because divorce is ugly, but it's it's, yeah, it's okay. I've been through two of them. I don't even have a kid, and it was horrible. Mm. I, uh, but he, yeah. So he splits time between New York and Los Angeles. Yeah, although he's here more. Unfortunately. Yeah. And now, how is that? You know, well, I'm not going to pry too much, but um, but you are in a relationship with the woman you wrote this movie mm-hmm. with. Yeah. And, and, and you were able to do that. You you you're you're in a relationship with Greta. Yeah. And you wrote a movie together, and you're still together. Yes. <laughs> well, the movie, if the movie wasn't so good, I think it would have, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Uh, but I think the movie does represent something. I mean, we were kind of, you know, falling in love during the movie, the making of the movie, and it's it has the energy of that, I think, in a, yeah. in a way. I mean, there's a um, something you can't quantify. Well, she was trying to quantify it in the film yeah. a, a bit. And I, you know, like her performance and, and the, the other actress, Mickey Summer, Sum- Sum- Sumner. How'd you find her? Auditions. I mean, I auditioned pretty much everybody except Greta was, was I just went into like the New York talent pool of young people and, and, and it's, they're so good. I mean, there's so many good people. And, and so, um, and I did it in a totally controlling way. I didn't, I only showed them what they were in and, um, you know, so they only had the scenes they were in. They didn't know what the movie at large was. Right. Only Greta knew it. Right. Um, which I think worked well, but it was, um, uh, I sort of had, I sort of had a lot of ideas for this movie of like how I wanted to do it and how I wanted to, you know, not only artistically, but even in the production process. And Britta and Dean, I hadn't seen since I, I was you know, performing down the Lower East Side in the mid nineties. Britta, they used to hang out. I mean, Luna was part of the alternative comedy scene and Britta was always there and I had a crush on her and it was crazy. And then she's in the movie. They like brought back this. I'm like, wait, I know her. Oh my God. Yeah. They're, they're, and they're friends of yours. Yeah. They're friends of mine. And they, they actually just moved out here for a little while. Really? Cause, yeah. Cause his son's out here now. Um, so they're here, uh, more of the time and they, they made a lot of music for you over the years yeah they did uh score for squid and and uh i used a galaxy 500 song in greenberg and um yeah they, they're they're good friends 
So you write it with the the woman you were you're falling in love with, and it, how much of it is it all pretty scripted? It's totally scripted. Yeah. Totally scripted. I mean, because she's sort of like you know has a, a way about her that you, you're not you, know, you think she's making it up, <laughs> right? How close to the character is she? Uh, I mean, not. It, I, I think it's 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 like a, it's almost like Zoolander is to Ben or something. Okay, Gre- right. you know, so Francis think, is right. to Greta. It's I, like it's she. You know, maybe not maybe not quite, but it's like it's it's something she's totally connected to, but it's not her. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I have a problem with that in the sense that I can't always, even as a grown person, separate people from their roles. Like, I expect them, when <laughs> I meet them, to be that person. I've had, you know, Brian Cranston in here, and I really wanted to interview Mr. White. I just couldn't, <laughs> and I really couldn't reconcile that. <laughs> no, sometimes it's hard. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. I sometimes will air the other way and assume they're just going to be mean and right. uh, unhappy because they're so funny and the, you know <laughs> right well, that's the expectation so why why uh, you, you know knowing now how calculating you are and about your vision i mean why black and white and especially at a time where you know you're you're going to be dealing with with digital i mean right. w- what what made you do that because it does look a little different than i'm i'm sure that the movies that you were modeling after well, I I did a lot of um, tests on, because I wanted to shoot in black and white, but I, I was good, and it was also the first time I had shot digitally. So we did a number of tests to kind of find what right. it was going to look like, and yeah. I because I wanted it to feel the you know whatever the digital version of what film has, which is film you know has emotion in right. it. It's got right. It breathes. It's got, and so. I feel like what we created, which I'm proud of, is something that evokes film but looks like something else. Right. You know? And But I, I, I kind of felt like the movie should be shot classically in a way. I mean, you know, it's, it's a little bit in the direction of what Woody Allen did in Manhattan, but even thinking about, like, you know, older, like, Ernst Lubitsch movies or yeah. th- things that to let Greta kind of occupy the space, you know, mm-hmm. it was a kind of... She's so physical, and so you could really see her, you right? Know, like, yeah, and and um, and black and white also kind of focuses your attention because you're not, you know, you're not distracted by associations that color brings right. to you, and 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 so that you know, I didn't have it wasn't that intellectual choice in the beginning. It was just like black and white looks beautiful. I'd like to do it. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but now I see it that way. I think it was also a way to see New York again because sure. I had done L.A. and I was coming back and I missed the city and I wanted to kind of find a way for it to be fresh. Right. And in and, and, and that particular world she was living in. I mean, I like that you deal with these that there there's some sort of a strange unspoken class issue you know when you deal with uh you know the guy she was living with and then josie says you know they they obviously have there's this idea this idea of what poor really is right that you know kids who come from uh money or any sort of background that it's not it's not it's not poor it's right but there is this but in new york you get these there are definitely entitled rich kids that act like it's no big deal and then there are people struggling you know to do what they want to do and are are not poverty stricken but they're certainly at a disadvantage yeah the the we really wanted the sort of economic her economic reality to be story in in a way i mean that uh and and since the movie is her moving locations it's it's almost always for an economic reason and you know and and it you know to create a movie where the fact that she has to pay a surcharge at an atm would be like 
a major right, right. <laughs> decision for her. Yeah, yeah. If I was just at my bank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do I go the extra few right. blocks, but I'm late. And uh, yeah, and I think, I mean, the Sophie character says in the movie, um, you know, to, to be an artist in New York, you have to be rich. I'm paraphrasing, but it, and, and I think it's true. It's like there is no bohemian life in Manhattan anymore. There hasn't been it, for fifty years. No, well, a, <laughs> we've all romanticized it a lot, you know. You know, but but I think that's true. I think that art in general requires, you know, not only patronage, but you know, people to give a shit about it who have money. Yeah. Period. That's true. Um, well, I thought that was pretty brilliant that you you did that because because it really plays into um, Sophie's decision mm-hmm. that you know that you know when you realize as you get to a certain age and you see people make decisions that are are not based in in desire or love you know specifically for security right uh it's it's a heartbreaking reality of grown-up life yeah and it doesn't have to be terrible either it no, can be of course you know that there's it's it's understandable um and francis goes the other direction is kind of stamping her foot and saying why can't it right, be, be what it's what it's been well that 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 the way you play that and, and you know and, and i you know honestly my experience of watching the film which i did last night you know, was that, you know, I didn't know, like, there was a, a, a point there where you, with, uh, with Greta, where you're like, maybe she's autistic, <laughs> you know, <laughs> then, but then you realize she's just a romantic and she's, you right. know, and she's idealistic and she's pure in, you know, in her desires and her need for expression and, and wanting to do what she wants to do. And then, you know, that moment when, uh, when Greta describes what she thinks love should feel like. And then you capture that movie at, uh, at that feeling at the end. You did it really well because it, it's 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 not easy to directly reference, you know, something like that, mm-hmm. and and then just play it out quietly. But right. you realize that's it, and that's okay. And there was no longing there necessarily. There was a there was actually a point where well, okay, they've grown up and they, there's acceptance here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, well they, you did it. You pulled that off. Thank you. That's well said. No, I, I, I was, I was getting a little emotional hearing you talk about it. It's nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like my Wikipedia page yeah. for Squid in the Whale. <laughs> uh, well, before I, I lose you, because I want to keep you. I, I, I love the movie. I think you do great work. Thank you. Now, I want to talk about your relationship with Wes Anderson uh, and how that came about, because you wrote one of his films with him. Two of them, actually. Yeah. Which were the two? Life Aquatic and Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, that's right. But now I've seen both of those movies, and he, 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 like, he, he, how did you meet him? I met him, uh, I, I think, around sort of, um, I guess, around '97. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, we had had Bottle Rocket and Kicking and Screaming had come out the same year, and I was sort of aware of him and knew people who knew him, and, mm-hmm. and then. He moved to New York, and then we we started hanging out. And he's like he's an interesting guy. I mean, in the sense that uh, you know, I have no real sense of of him other than like how he presents himself walking through the world mm-hmm. in his suits and things. But what I realized, um, you know, before you came over was that you know your your sort of uh, I don't want to use the word oeuvre because I'm not even sure what it means. But <laughs> you deal with uh, 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 these grown ups who deal with this sort of chaotic infantile emotional structure that they're they're constantly up against or whether they recognize or not and he actually embraces like an almost uh you know childlike point of view intellectually and, mm-hmm. and that's how he constructs his movies so i mean i i don't i, I have to assume that there's some sort of I, i'm trying to figure out how the connection between you two works <laughs> because he almost elevates a, a, an almost meticulous 
childlike vision of what film is and your characters are always fighting with the childlike behaviors that are destroying their lives in a right way. <laughs> right that's interesting <laughs> oh I, that, I that's very interesting i um well i think we both like the movie Truffaut's movies a lot because i think in some ways they're both there right it's it's like right there he he kind of covered both of those and we probably meet somewhere in the middle of one of those movies you know? right well yeah because like he's like the the i guess you would say the um like i can't imagine what it takes to construct a frame for a shot for wes anderson i mean i can't imagine the time necessary you know, like, it seems like you have a little more breathing room in terms of, like, you know, like, that box doesn't have to be on the shelf right there. I mean, you're, you're, well, I'm more that way than you might think, yeah. but it's, it's, yeah, I mean, he, but he's, he's doing something even different there. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's bad or good. It's just a sort of different, really different styles. How, what's the writing process with him like? Well, for those movies, I was very, it was, it was very much like I was, um, just just trying to give him good ideas because oh, okay. i mean i knew he was gonna i mean i was writing but mm -hmm. i was you know he was gonna make these movies so right. i was more like just trying to be added value you know and right. help, help him kind of figure out what he wanted yeah what he what what was going to help him make the movie that he wanted to make um so it's more like sort of he's like what i'm trying to do and, and you're like what if you that kind of thing? yeah right right yeah and yeah maybe he says this and and if he liked that idea and wanted to use it great if he didn't i'd just come up with another one I mean, right right that uh and we'd been friends i mean it came at a great time for me too because i had i had nothing but time to right. to to help him work on life aquatic and he was really supportive um in in helping me get squid made and and you know and being with him at that time and watching him i really kind of i mean it's sort of going back to we we're talking about that sort of period between where right i kind of you know between long period between movies i i really saw how he he you know controlled everything to the point because he knew if he didn't it was you know it's, then it wasn't going to be good i mean it was the, that i mean i i think i had more of this idea that sort of you know when my early 20s of like oh i'll you know i'll fix that later or right, I'll, right. you know and and i i really realized like you know i've got to write these things great and i have to just keep working on it and and he you know he um it's a good good example for you he was a really good example and it was and and also seeing that he had done with rushmore he had just done something interesting to him that was personal to him and uh, it was interesting to other people and personal to other people and i and i felt like i'd kind of gotten off track with that sort of i notion of movie making so and, he came you came together during that part of your life where you were trying to figure out who you were as a as an artist yeah and, and his he sort of the example of the way he worked you know kind of got you in line with what filmmaking could be and should be for you definitely and he's you know we're great friends and he's you know um you know you know we, we just get along really well, well. that's great and did you get to meet Bill Murray? I did get to meet Bill Murray. I tried to get Bill Murray to do Squid actually at an early period, and I still think he's yet to pass. But yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> but but as a kid who like you know he has stripes in his memory, yeah, was, was, I, uh, was it exciting at least? Oh yeah, it was. It was super exciting. <laughs> um, good. Yeah, that's a good. It's good when you meet these guys that have a, a, a place in your heart from a, a movie as a kid, and they're not assholes. I have a I have a funny Bill Murray story from when I was a kid. Yeah. I uh, um I was in school. Some new kid came that year, and it came out that his parents were friends with Bill Murray. And yeah, I could not believe it. So yeah. I I asked, could he get me an autograph at some point? Right. 
So after a while, he brought me this sort of torn out, it was sort of like a corner of graph paper that was ripped out and it said Bill Murray written on it. And I was so excited and I showed it to the my history teacher at the time. I was like, check it out, Bill Murray's autograph. And he was like, why does Bill Murray look like he's five? And uh, sign his signature like he's five. And I was like, I don't know. But And I went home and I, I had a picture from Stripes and I yeah. framed it, sort of like jammed it into the frame. Yeah. And then about six months later, this kid came back to me and handed me another piece of graph paper um, and this one said to Noah drive carefully Bill Murray in, in, a, in an adult's up. handwriting yeah, yeah. yeah and he's like I'm sorry I he didn't want to sign the last one and he said why don't you just do it uh, <laughs> so I ultimately got it but um, did, you tell, did you tell Bill that I story? did he, he said what did I say I said you wrote drive carefully he's like yeah that was me yeah great <laughs> thanks for talking Noah oh thanks a lot That's it. That's our show. I want more film directors. Can I get more film directors, please? I find it very compelling. That was uh, Noah Bombach. Did I pronounce it wrong again? Uh, and please go see his movie. I thought it was uh, it was charming, and it kind of you know it, it. You don't know where it's going at first, but you you get engaged, especially if you're of a certain ilk, the creative ilk. What else? Go to wtfpod.com. Get all your WTF Pod needs met. Check the schedule. The calendar there. I got book events coming up in uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles with Judd Apatow, Boston, New York, D.C. Upcoming dates at all those places. Go to justcoffee.coop, get some of that. Go to the Oinkster, get my uh, get my burger. On Thursday, I'm going to talk to Sam Simon, one of the creators of um, The Simpsons, who has terminal cancer. And uh, I wanted to get out there difficult situation but uh you know we had a long conversation about that a little bit about the simpsons about money about fame it's not a long ride folks 